Hello and welcome to the Monday, July 27th edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. I am Trent Reinsmith, your host, and going to uh, ask a favor here. Un- uncomfortable for me to do so, but uh, if you could, please rate and review the podcast wherever you Get your get your podcast from um, iTunes, Spotify, Google, wherever you uh, happen to listen to your podcast. Uh, rate, review, and if possible, share. I'm trying to build this up a little bit. Um, and as I've said in the past, I want to lose one of my what I consider more or less a content creation job and focus more on this, which I think is, I might be wrong, but I think it contributes to something different and um, a little more to the MMA space than just a a content creation or a, some someone who aggregates. I just think this, this does a little more and if I could lose that gig, then I could focus more on this, and that's uh, hopefully can turn that into something more than a uh, labor of love, which is more or less what it is right now. I mean, I, I enjoy doing it, but I still have to do things I don't really enjoy to make a living, and I know we all do that, but I think I could do a little more in the inside the MS, MMA sphere if I could... Uh, Build this thing up a little bit more. So if you can help me out in any way, rate, review, subscribe to the Patreon, any of those things, that would be great. So enough uh, uncomfortableness for me. And on to today's show. Corey Anderson has not been very active since he was knocked out in February by Jan Blokovic's. And we found out why uh, today when he posted a photograph of him from a hospital bed with, uh, a, a, I don't even know what's going on here. It's the uh, one side of his face is extremely swollen. Um, it's got road rash on it. And then some pictures of him healing up and in the hospital with his son and then we get to um, the end of these this string of photos where he looks fairly well um, fully healed from the injury and you read the post and more or less he said that he's saying that the New Mexico Athletic Commission didn't do a proper check on him after his loss, knockout loss to Blackowitz, and that he basically blacked out and collapsed while he was uh, hiking. And he ended up in the ER for five days. They did a bunch of blood work, did a heart test, and his career was put on hold because they really didn't know what was going on. And um, he was recently just cleared to get back to action. And it's it's a the photos are pretty disturbing, and 
I don't know if these are, I don't know if I would say that that his, the way he spoke about the athletic commission is, um, or accusations that they were, that they did not do their, their, a full workup after the fight. Um, but it seems that they did not do a full workup after the fight, considering that he was knocked out. And with that, that's a big concern. Um, I remember this event leading up to it. I did a commission watch story for Bloody Elbow. And from what I was hearing, the New Mexico commission was not looked upon as a very good commission. It, it There was a lot of, some folks reached out to me. I wouldn't say a lot, but there were some folks that reached out to me and spoke up that the commission was not run well and they had issues with that commission and so now that someone in the ufc has had issues with that commission maybe things will change i reached out to the commission to get a comment on anderson's story i'm gonna guess i won't get one but yeah if um if the commission doesn't do a full workup on a knocked out fighter then I and I'm not blaming Anderson here because that would be asinine but if you're injured and and something doesn't seem right or you I mean if you got knocked out then you should expect uh, a pretty good some pretty good treatment after that event and that Anderson did not receive that well that's a that's a huge concern and maybe at that point a fighter should reach out to the UFC and say hey I'm not happy with the way they handled this can you help me out a little bit um, maybe speak to them or maybe give me a checkup um, on at the at the performance institute or, or or hey how about you pay for me to get a checkup from my doctor because I'm not happy with what I what I had done um, by the by the athletic commission and hopefully um, the UFC would 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 take care of that um, but we don't know if that would happen but really this is um since this is the part of the sport that people just don't really seem to think about too much uh, you see a fighter get knocked out you see them get a three-month medical suspension and then you know you kind of think okay well that's cool but you don't think about what what could happen if that the medical check after the fight was not thorough or if something happens during that time it, it, we we tend to just erase these fighters from our minds a lot of the times when they are inactive between fights and that's mostly because of the number of events that we have to deal with. Uh, there seems to be a fight every weekend, a fight card every weekend, and so it's easy to forget about who fought three weeks ago or who even fought one week ago when you have so many fights to look forward to. And in some ways, that's what the UFC likes to do because it moves the media to the next story instead of focusing on the past stories it, it 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 does a good job of pushing negativity out of the news cycle in the 
and puts the uh, fresh, new, and hyped up fights into the news cycle. But these are the things that we don't see and we don't really get reported on. So I would like to, I'm glad that Anderson spoke up here. And I hope this is a, uh, not a wake-up call because we should all be aware of this. But I hope this is something that the UFC will consider when it looks at going into these places and areas that don't have strong athletic commissions. And I know the UFC wants to put on fights in, in everywhere it can, can and give fans a, a look at the product. But you also have to think of these fighters as more than just product. Look at them as human beings and consider what going into a location who has a, that has a uh, less than stellar athletic commission, how that can have a negative effect on the fighters, uh, their health, and their future. And from what Corey Anderson said here, that's exactly what happened to him in New Mexico. I don't cover boxing much just because I don't really see so much of it because I'm so focused on MMA, but I will say that my first, besides um, wrestling, my first combat sports experience um, was with boxing, so I grew up, I grew up with boxing and just kind of, MMA just kind of replaced that around the time of UFC 1 and just kind of didn't look back with with boxing and so that was just to explain a little bit about you know I do have some boxing knowledge but it's mostly older boxing knowledge but for for whatever that's worth anyway the reason I bring up boxing is because of the the fight that took place in California over the weekend where um Sinicia Estrada knocked out Miranda Adkins in a few seconds and Adkins didn't even attempt to throw a punch I don't don't think it was a big mismatch and in the aftermath um, a lot of people were wondering why the fight got sanctioned and because it was sanctioned by the California State Athletic Commission and I I hold uh, Andy Foster the executive director of the of the CSAC um, I think he is one of the best if not the best commissioner um, and executive director of uh, an athletic commission in in combat sports I think he cares about the sport I think he is one of the more transparent directors and he's always available to comment on things and you can ask him pretty much anything and he will he will give you an answer and so he was asked about this this fight and if he should have sanctioned it and he said, um, and he told, the, this is from the ring, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't have approved that fight. I certainly didn't think Atkins was going to win the fight, but I thought it would go longer than seven seconds. Um, on paper, hindsight is twenty twenty for everyone. Now that we know the outcome, I think it's fair to criticize me for approving that because I'm crit- critical of myself. I kind of blew this one. And... This is why I think Foster's respected. He screwed up. He knows he screwed up. He owns it. And I think this is going to be something that he will 
learned from, and I would not be surprised if California started being a little more um, aggressive in scratching fights that it didn't like. And, and I think it should, because these are the kind of fights where someone, a mismatch, is where someone is going to get hurt very, very badly, and that could be in boxing or in MMA. And now we know that um, Foster proved that, that that recent fight between Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell, but that situation was different, I think, um, because he really didn't have a reason not to approve that other than age and if they pass their medicals and I know California does pretty stringent medicals there was really no um, governing body reason to not, to say that fight shouldn't have happened now in our guts we can say that fight shouldn't have happened but that isn't what the athletic commissions work on um, because that can open them up, I believe, to, to lawsuits and uh, things like that. So I think this fight, the boxing match that just took place, is a different situation. And, yeah, I think Foster will learn from this. And I think that it will affect uh, combat sports, at least in California, for the better. So this is something to watch. And I, I like that Foster took the blame. And I'll like it even more if he is more aggressive in turning down uh, fights that he sees as non-competitive. Gilbert Melendez, um, and I'll be blunt here, got screwed in, I would say, uh, almost every way imaginable here by the UFC and USADA and an arbitrator. So let's review what happened to Mr. Melendez. Um, he was officially released from his, and you can read this story on Bloody Elbow from Zane Simon. He was officially released from his UFC contract in late 2019, having won just one fight over six years and seven fights, and that's with the UFC. Um, however, he was not notified by the UFC that he had been released. So that's problem number one. Problem number two was he failed a drug test, and it was his second failed drug test, and he was handed a um, suspension by USADA for two years. So he then went to arbitration. And the arbitrator, in their ruling, stated... Because USADA independently, independently administers the UFC anti-doping protocol, which includes, quote, excessive results management authority for any ADPV, the arbitrator concludes that USADA is not obligated to accept, is not bound by, and is not stopped from challenging the statement in Mr. Campbell's declaration that the effective date of termination of Mr. Melendez's contract with the UFC is October 12th. So they, they found out that the contract was ended on the 12th and uh, the urine sample for Melendez was taken on October 16th 
And because the UFC did not notify, you decided to remove Melendez from the pool, the testing pool. He was still in the testing pool. He got tested. He tested positive for a for GHRP6, a growth hormone-releasing peptide, which is prohibited at all times. And so I understand everything that happened here. Um, I understand why USADA tested him. I also understand why they went to arbitration and didn't just scratch this off and still actively pursued Melendez this case because while Melendez is a free agent now, to the best of their knowledge, at the time he was tested, he was still under contract with the UFC. He did test positive, and therefore USADA is going to suspend him for two years uh, because, well, there's no saying that he's not going to re-sign with the UFC or that he's not going to sign with another promotion. And USADA, knowing that he had failed this test while still in a testing pool, is more or less obligated to follow th follow its procedure and suspend Melendez. I don't like it. I understand it. I also understand why Melendez would be pissed. Now, this all boils down to the UFC not informing anyone that Melendez's contract was 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 done away with. Was was that he was released by the UFC. Had the UFC released, had the UFC told Melendez on the 12th and told USADA on the 12th, this drug test would not have taken place. And people will say, well, it's good that it took place and blah, blah, blah. But that's not the point. The point is that the UFC failed to tell a fighter and failed to tell USADA that the fighter was not under contract anymore for four days. If you release a fighter, let the fighter know, let USADA know the minute you decide to make that release. It, it is uh, helpful to get him out of the testing pool. It's helpful so they can start looking at, a, at the next step in their career. Perhaps... Um, exploring free agency that didn't happen now I don't know if Melendez has a, a case here for lost wages um, or anything related to the UFC not telling him he was released I don't know I would guess he does because they just didn't tell him um, but the amount of money it's going to cost him to pursue that is probably not equal to the amount of money he would get if he won a case so there's really no reason to do this other than to make a point so and I don't think Gilbert Melendez is someone who would be willing to spend money just to make a point seems kind of silly unless that point was you know for for unlimited free agency or something like that then then it might be worth it but even then I don't know if we have any fighters in the UFC that would be willing to spend that money but anyway I don't blame Melendez in this situation I don't blame 
USADA in this situation, I do blame the UFC for screwing up in a royal way by not notifying the uh, correct parties on in a timely manner. So then you wonder, you know, when fighters are released, is the UFC letting USADA know on time? Or, or are some other fighters getting, just remaining in the testing pool and getting tested when they should not be? And if they are getting tested when they should not be, and they say they tell USADA that they're out of the pool because they've been cut or released or their contract ran out, is that going to affect them with USADA if they eventually do resign with the UFC? Is that a missed test, a refused test? It's very, 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 it's ugly. Um, and I think it needs to, I think whoever his job it was to notify USADA, they dropped the ball on this one. I don't think the UFC will care because it doesn't really affect them. It just affects the fighter, and we know what how the UFC feels about fighters. They're interchangeable cogs. But yeah, this is a... This is kind of a big deal, and I, I hope it gets the attention it deserves. So, earlier today, someone asked how I have a job in MMA media, and I know that question wasn't a legitimate question. I know it was a smart-ass comment on the way I do my work, and that's fine. I don't really care about that, but... I thought about it for a while. Not the, uh, not the person, uh, more the question. And I think I came up with a reason. I mean, this is a, a thankless um, business, and it's hard to make a living. And I make my living strictly by freelance writing and, and MMA. I got a few gigs. And I do okay. And if you go through the Come On Now newsletter, you can see um, some things where I break down my 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 income over the last couple of years. So that's there for all to see. And it was good, I think, uh, a couple of years ago. It was okay last year. And I think it's going to be fairly bad this year. And that's the position I put myself in. I... I did this and um, I made this decision and I probably could have made a better living by playing the game but I, I had to play the game in the past and I'm, I just burned out on it I didn't feel good about it it ate away at me and so I made a decision to throw caution to the wind and just you know be myself and at the time I made that decision, I didn't really have anything to go on. I didn't have the job at, at Bloody Elbow. That came um, a little later, and I am very thankful for them for that. They uh, they treat me great, and I will will believe I will stay there as long as they will have me because of how they treated me and that they helped me out at a time when, um, you know, the phone wasn't ringing, the emails weren't coming. And they reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to do um, what I'm doing now on, on their site. And I have nothing but good things to say about them. And this is actually my second stint with them. I had left them before to go to 
uh, MMA Junkie, and then I quit MMA Junkie to go to to come back. So I'm glad that I kept a good relationship with them um, because they did treat me fairly, um, and and I would say that they were one of the few places of uh, my main MMA income over the years that had treated me well. MMA Junkie treated me very well early on, but when Dan Stepp left, things changed. And that was, um, we'll leave that at that. And that's when I went back to Bloody Elbow. So anyway, why do I have a job? Right now, why do I have a job? Um, and I think it's because I speak my mind and I'm not afraid of any repercussions. And I think that's uh, honest to being honest with what I see is wrong, trying to do journalism in a sport that where the biggest players actively, I'm, I'm, uh, let me rephrase that, where the biggest player actively discourages journalism is one of the reasons I think I have a job. And uh, sometimes I think maybe it's because I'm more of a, in, in, you know, in my, in my, when doubt creeps in, I think sometimes, you know, Maybe it's because people look at me and think I'm some kind of uh, a character or a, or a joke or a, a clown of some sort. But I, I'm, and, and if you think that, that's your right, I guess. I hope my employers don't think that. But sometimes the, the doubt creeps in and I get to thinking that maybe they, uh, they're just sitting there laughing at me and I hope that's not true. But sometimes I do think that. But anyway... Yeah, I think uh, most of it comes down to the fact that I am unafraid to speak my mind and be honest and let the chips fall where they may. Has that cost me? Sure. I don't have, I can't get the UFC to answer any questions from me any longer. The, I won't get uh, media passes to any events. Uh, they won't even tell me that I didn't get them I'll just submit and you know the fight will come and go and I won't get an answer the yeah and I don't know if fighters will speak to me I I want to I'm going to try and expand this podcast thing to um, where I talk to fighters about anything but MMA so we'll see how that goes if that gets off the ground or if maybe the powers that be stepping and say you know don't talk to that guy which could happen does happen and I don't know if it'll happen to me like I said but yeah I think I have a job because I'm honest um, I try and hold the UFC to to a standard that it believes it sets and I try and expose lies and malfeasance um, in the MMA sphere and I don't think that happens enough I know there's people that probably do it better Luke Thomas, Stephen Morocco, Ben Folks, but I think I have a small um, piece that I can that I can offer, and yeah, that's why I have a job. Now I, that's why I think I have a job, and I know that question wasn't serious, but it made me uh, it made me think about it, and yeah, so there you are, and that's uh, that's how I'm going to end it tonight. Um, and we will, uh, I'll be back tomorrow.
And until then, stay safe. <laughs>